A reading from Genesis. Sarah lived 127 years. This was the length of Sarah's life. And Sarah died at Kiriatha Arba, that is, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. A reading from Job. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all these troubles that had come upon him, each of them set out from his home, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nehemiahite. They met together to go and console and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word for him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. A reading from John. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. Word of God, word of life. Today we begin our second worship and preaching series of the summer, this one focusing on grief and loss. Like our other series focused on mission and discernment, we have a different hymn in place of the traditional Kyrie and Canticle of Praise. The assigned gospel reading is replaced by another selection of scripture. The sermon and hymn following continue that grief theme. And we have an intercession added to our prayers later on that will be included until our next grief day. Quick disclaimer before we get into this. I am using a clinical model to guide us through this series of four over the next few months, but this is not group therapy or a replacement for therapy that you might need to process significant and or complicated grief. This is meant to be more about some grief education and a starting point for some conversation for us around some of the various communal losses of the last several years. If you find yourself struggling or otherwise having a hard time with this topic because of stuff in your own life, please tell me. You will probably not be the only one and I don't want to cause anybody any, any pain or harm. So tell me so I can make any appropriate adjustments. Also, if you just want to talk because it is bringing something up for you that you're thinking about or, or whatever, again, please reach out to me and we can talk. We can meet over coffee, on the phone, whatever. Um, also, don't be afraid if you need to, to reach out to a licensed therapist to, to get into some really in-depth stuff. Okay, so grief and loss. I said I'm using a clinical model, and that is William Warden's Four Tasks of Mourning. We're going to focus, on, focus each session on one of those four tasks, which are in order to accept the reality of the loss, that's today, to process the pain of grief, it's next month, 
to adjust to a world without the deceased, and task four, to find a way to remember the deceased while embarking on the rest of one's journey through life. And these tasks are not check boxes that you do and you're done, it's ongoing, you go back and forth through them. So Warden's model, as you might have noticed, focuses on death. Someone we know has died, how do we mourn that loss of life, that death? But death is not the only type of loss that we grieve over. In a far from exhaustive list of other types of loss, some of the other things we grieve are pets. They're part of the family. Their deaths can be felt very much like the death of a significant person. There's medical loss. Different events, diagnoses, and or treatment can have various impacts on the functions of our minds and our bodies. Like a stroke could effectively paralyze one side of your body, or surgery to remove a tumor could remove a body part. There are various pregnancy losses like miscarriage, stillbirth, abortion, embryos that didn't make it in the IVF process. There's job losses. So much of our self-worth, our sense of self can be tied up in what we do that the loss of a job in retirement being fired or, you know, a casualty of downsizing, etc. These can be devastating to how we see ourselves in the world and our place in the world. There's also the end of relationships, dating relationships, friendship ends, divorce. Organizations also end, like a congregation that you've been part of closes or it merges with another one to become a new congregation and what was is no more. And of course, we have all experienced the loss of what used to be in these years of COVID. Lockdown and coming back, the new normal, and so on. In the scripture that we read today in place of the assigned gospel reading, we saw some different examples of death loss. Sarah died, leaving Abraham a widow. He mourns and weeps for her before asking to bury her in the foreign land in which they lived. I also kind of wonder if Abraham's mourning was complicated at all by some of the, uh, ooh, let's say, icky behaviors that he engaged in over the course of his marriage like the multiple times he passed Sarah off as his sister instead of his wife, or when he raped Hagar in order to have Ishmael, an heir, before Sarah conceived and they had Isaac giving him a legitimate heir and he cast out Hagar and Ishmael. Job is faithful to God even as he receives word that his oxen, donkeys, and farmhands have been killed by the Sabaeans, that lightning has struck and killed his sheep and shepherds, his camels stolen and the camel riders killed by Chaldeans, his sons and daughters killed by a collapsing tent. He himself is now afflicted with painful boils from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. His wife tells him to just curse God and die, but he refuses. Three of his friends hear of what is happening and they come to console him. When they arrive, 
They do not recognize Job in all his disfigurement caused by both the physical affliction and the immense grief. They tear their clothing, throw dust, and sit with their friend in mournful silence and grief-filled weeping for seven days and seven nights with him in the pain and the deep despairing. Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. He has gotten word that Lazarus was sick. He could have gone and prevented the death, but he didn't. He let his friend die. His body be laid in a tomb for four days. He arrived days later knowing the delay was necessary to raise his friend and show the power of God. Still, when it was time to see his friend's lifeless body, he wept. At the death and loss of his beloved friend, for the grief felt by Lazarus's sisters and their friends, for his own grief, Jesus wept. As we'll read over the next few months, the Bible is full of stories of people grieving death and other losses. We grieve, we mourn because we are human, because we are mortal and this life is temporary. We grieve even assured of the promises of the resurrection and the life to come because we are created for relationship and relationships in this life end. They cease to be, they change, they grow, they reform. Grief is natural and it is normal. And it comes with a lot of different feelings and a lot of different experiences. When we are grieving death and other losses, it is normal for us to feel a variety of feelings like sadness, anger, blame, guilt, anxiety, loneliness, fatigue, helplessness, shock, yearning, relief, numbness, and so on. It is normal to experience different things in our bodies, like a hollowness in the stomach, a tightness in the chest or throat, maybe an oversensitivity to noise, muscle weakness, dry mouth, etc. It is normal for our thought patterns to shift, and we might experience things like disbelief, confusion, preoccupation, sense of presence, and so on. It is normal to have some temporary behavioral changes, like sleep and or eating disturbances. We might be distracted or absent-minded. We might withdraw socially. We might have dreams of the deceased or avoid reminders of them. We might find ourselves doing a lot more sighing. We might feel restlessness, crying. We might carry around objects that belong to the deceased, etc. We experience these things differently from one another and for different losses. There is no one or right way to grieve. It varies and it is normal. And each of these different experiences of grief have a place 
in helping us in Warden's first task of mourning, to accept the reality of the loss. It might be easier for many of us to kind of just intellectually accept the death of someone before we can emotionally accept the reality of that loss. Intellectual acceptance can be basically just, just the facts of the matter. My husband has died, we had the funeral, I saw him in the casket, he is dead. Emotional acceptance is more nuanced and it takes time. We know that we've come to a point of emotional acceptance when we stop waking up every morning, reaching over to feel him on the other side of the bed, expecting that he's going to be there. Or when we stop waiting at the bus stop every afternoon for our child to come home from school. They aren't there. They aren't coming home. And we're never going to have another fight with them about using the last of the toilet paper and not replacing the roll. In the initial shock of grief, in the midst of the trauma event, the changes of life, reality is hard. One moment we can accept what has happened and the next, not so much. I mentioned earlier this month some troubles happening in another synod. At the conclusion of their absolutely awful synod assembly, one of the wounded at the center of many of those things wrote a blog post talking about sitting in the grief for a while. Healing and moving on will come later. But first, she needs to sit in the sadness the longing for those lost expectations. She needs time to cry. She needs friends like Job to come and sit with her in the pain. She knows the intellectual reality of what has happened. And now she needs time to accept the emotional reality of how the big C church she loves can cause so much harm. She needs time in the grieving process to wrestle with the emotional realities. We are often so focused on just moving forward that we don't take the time to just sit in our own pain, to honor the hurt that we feel, to miss who and what has been lost. And when we don't take the time to sit and feel what is hard and painful, we often miss that God, the same God who became flesh and lived with and as one of us, is with us still, weeping, too, for what has ended, for who and what has been lost. Amen.